Friends are often like desserts. They comfort you when life really hurts. They bring something sweet on a rainy day and a friend you can count on when you need to pray. They are special and sweet. They need to be savored. Desserts, like some friends, come in all different flavors. They can put a smile on your face or even bring you to tears. And we all have our favorites throughout the years. But when the time comes and that last bite arrives, or you cry your eyes out over long goodbyes, remember, friends, like desserts, are wonderful by definition. And they are both bound to leave a lasting impression. ladies. I hope you're enjoying your food. You can keep eating. Um, Chad and I are going to sing a song for you. Um, this is one that some of you may know. It's um, called Your Hands by J.J. Heller. And it's, I really love this song. It's really about how God just has us in his hands and even when we go through tough times, he's there for us in his sovereignty. So here we go. That was a really good intro. <laughs> Thanks, Chad, for your approval. I have unanswered prayers. I have trouble I wish wasn't there. a thousand ways that you would take my pain away that you would take my pain away I'm trying to understand how to walk this weary land make straight the paths that crooked lie Oh, Lord, before these feet of mine Oh, Lord, before these feet of mine When my world is shaking Heaven stands When my heart is breaking I never leave your hands 
walked upon the earth You healed the broken, lost and hurt I know you hate to see me cry One day you will set all things right Yeah, one day you will set all things right Well, I hope you all are enjoying just the lovely food and the conversation. This has just already just been such a wonderful day. Um, and I get the privilege now of introducing our speaker. So our speaker today is Chelsea Cameron. Um, she's, a, she's a very fun story, and I know that she's going to be sharing a lot with us, but she moved out here from New York quite some time ago with the plans of being here for a few months and um, <clears throat> got a job on Growing Pains, where she met her future, but now husband, Kurt. And um, they've been married now for 20 years, and they have six kids, <laughs> ranging, from eight, <laughs> ranging from eight to 14. And look at how amazing she looks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, they are very active in pouring into the lives of marriages, people, families. They have a ministry called 24-7. And I personally know several um, women and several couples who have been so blessed by their ministry. So we are just so thankful to have her here to speak into our hearts today. So thank you. Let's go. Thank you. Well, I am very honored to be here. I live very close, right off Canaan, and um, it's just an honor for me to be able to um, share with my community of women the things that have radically changed me as a Christian woman, as a mom, as a wife. Um, 
I think about women's events and I think, hmm, I could give you a little pep talk that'll last you till about Tuesday. <laughs> and then you might say, well, I think she, I remember, yeah, Chelsea, yeah, she talked about friendship or something. It, and it kind of just fades and it's sort of a surface makeover. Um, but that's not what really stirs my heart. So I don't really, I didn't come with a prepared speech for you at all. I just want to talk to you from my heart. Um, because I really believe that when we gather as women, that we should leave changed, really changed. Because one truth from God changes you. If you take it into your heart, it changes you. You shall know the truth, and it shall set you free. And I know that there's a lot of people who have come in here today who don't feel on the inside the way they look on the outside. Because y'all look really beautiful and happy and joyful, and I know how life works. And I know that there's a lot of things going on in all of our hearts, different things we're struggling with. Um, and I also know that our hope of change is found in Jesus Christ alone. And there's a lot of self-help out there um, that doesn't work. There's no lasting change. There's no heart change without Jesus. I've tried. Um, so I'm going to open in prayer. And I want to talk to you today about um, our hearts. And I've been asked to speak on biblical friendship, which is very different than friendship of the world. Um, so let's pray. And we'll get going, okay? Lord, what an honor just to have a few moments where we can open our hearts and our minds and we can grow and we can walk out different. Because, Lord, our whole life as Christians is meant to be to, for us to be able to say, I'm not what I should be, I'm not what I could be, but I'm not what I was. And I praise you, Jesus, for the changes you have done in all of our hearts. I pray that you will speak to each one of us today because you know right where we are. I pray for a special blessing over the women here as wives and moms and as your children. So please be our teacher today, Lord. And I thank you for this opportunity. And I pray in your holy, powerful name. Amen. Okay. Well, I do a class over at Calvary. It's 22 weeks. And I was going through my notes. <laughs> They're really organized, as you can see. There's about 25 of these notebooks at home. <laughs> and there's so much. I kept going through them going, oh, I, I really want to tell them that. Oh, yeah, 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 I got to share that. that and, and all of a sudden I went, oh, I don't have a lot of time. So I, I chose to do three, talk to you about three different things. Okay, they all kind of go together. Um, biblical friendship. Hmm. 
friends are really shaping influence in our life. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they really are. And um, they have a lot to do with, whether, with where we are in our life. I mean, we, we really are in our, where we are because of choices we make in our life. Okay? You are where you are because of choices that you've made, how you act or how you react. And um, sometimes we can change so much just by making different choices, just by choosing differently. So I wanted to talk to you today about what is a biblical friend? What is that? Because when I started studying this, I, I, I thought I was. But there were some things that, that just weren't. And I thought they were, but not really. And I think that um, change in your life requires biblical friendship. We are not meant to be going through this world in a silo. I got this thing with God. I don't need anyone. Okay. Um, and keep everybody kind of at arm's length. I'm, I don't really need any real fellowship, and that's not true. That's not true at all. Um, you really don't flourish. You don't really grow because you're meant to be together in community, and you're meant to have strong friendships. All through the Bible, you see friendships. Gosh, I don't even know where to start. There's so, so many. Um, and all of those friendships helped that person, they helped each other to get to the purposes that God had for them, always. I think it's kind of challenging, some of the things I'm going to say, because I think when you're not challenged, you don't really grow, right? <laughs> so um, I got, I'm going to ask you some things. A biblical friend holds you up when you stumble. Okay, and you might be saying, yeah. So stumble. What do I mean by stumble? Well, pressures of life, circumstances, work, home, health, finances. We fall in many ways. And when we stumble, you need someone there to hold you up. So a, bi a biblical friend is just there. They're present. They're there for you. Okay? Um, a biblical friend holds you down when you stray. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I think a biblical friend, when I say biblical, I mean the kind of friend that God wants you to have in your life, the close. I mean, everyone, everyone, I, we're to love all people and all kinds of people, but I'm talking about those friends, those ones you yoke with, okay? It's very easy to be there for someone when they stumble, to hold them up. The harder part is to hold them down when they stray, okay? Because... Um, I really, there's one thing that is always sovereign over any relationship, and that's truth. Truth is sovereign over the relationship. So if you have a person in your life that speaks truth into you and is able to say to you, that's not okay. What you're doing is not okay. Um, you're neglecting your marriage. That old boyfriend on Facebook, that's not okay. Um, what's going on with you, the kids, the way you're doing that? i got to talk to you about that. Because we kind of cut it in half. We're, oh, that's my phone. <laughs> 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 it must be a friend. 
Indeed. Um, <laughs> it won't stop because it's probably one of my kids, and Dad's making them work. And they're going to, yeah. Mom, when are you coming home? Because Dad's making us work. Can you? It's, <laughs> All right, just a moment. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't answer right now. I'm just going to turn this off. <laughs> oh, these guys. There we go. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's go. Um, and it's hard to speak truth into someone's life, isn't it? It's just hard. Because we don't want to lose a friendship. But in order for us to grow, and uh, you need a person who's going to tell you the truth out of love. Someone who says, look, let me tell you something. I'm here for you. Whatever I have that you need, if I have it, you, you, you have it. Okay? But it's very hard to say, I'm going to tell you something. And there's this feeling in the back of me that you may not like what I'm going to tell you. But I love you. And it's more important to me that you're right with God. If you don't want to talk to me, it's just more important for me that you, that you hear the truth and you're right with God. Because what you're doing is going to hurt you. Or what you're not doing is going to greatly affect your kids or your life. That's powerful to have one person in your life that you know, I'm committed to you, and I'm not leaving. I just need to speak this truth into you. And I, I don't think differently of you. I, I'm always here for you. But you need to hear this truth. God gave us people. God gives you friends so that they take you and they turn you back to where you need to be. Because kind of sometimes what we look for in a friend is, I need one who's just going to agree with me, make me feel better. Okay? I want them just to sort of be on my side and just kind of agree with what I have to say. And it usually goes something like this on a phone. I, just, you know, I can't believe him. Now you're talking about your husband. Okay? And he always does this, and he, and he never does this. And I'm, I'm so tired of this. It, it's wrong. I don't know. Why should I put up with it? Here's the friend. Oh, you're kidding me. Are you serious? You know what? It's just, you should not be putting up with that. Well, thank you, Satan. <laughs> I really, this, not biblical friendship. Okay? When your life is a tornado, you don't need a fan. Okay? That's not a friend. A friend listens to you and hears your heart and understands that you're hurting. But what they do is they say, come here. I'm going to pray with you right now. You know, it kind of grieves me, the amount of friends that don't pray together. Because a friend usually knows what's going on in your life, and I'm thinking all of us need prayer. I know I do. <laughs> the lack of prayer. Come here. Before I even talk to you about this, let me pray with you. Because you'll get through this. You will. You won't do it on your own strength. But God has not left the scene, my friend. He's pressing in here. Okay? A friend speaks hope into your life. There are so much negative friendships that drag you either so far, further away 
pray and then take them to their hope, which is not in the two-hour conversation with me. The conver- it's going to be taking you to the cross <laughs> to go, when you are weak, he is strong. And you can do this. Let me talk to you about your part. Let me hear about your part. You can't change him. You can't change him or her. You have no ability to change anyone. We only have the ability to change one person with the help of God. It's me. So let me talk to you about your part. And let me give you hope again. So what I say about that's holding someone up when they stumble. Do we all need that? Now, there's the chance that that person is not going to want to hear what you have to say because they want you to be the yes man and they want you, but that's not a friend. That's not the friendship that should be in this room. My job as your friend is get you closer to God. My job as your friend is to help you stop changing your husband, trying to change your husband. My job is to help change you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you get your part right. God will do the rest. My job is to help you trust God. It's not to make the tornado stronger because it's not loving them. It's not a loving thing. You know, you'd be in a friendship and the person can say, you know, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. You always start with prayer. You always start with prayer. Because without God... I'm not sure it's going to get easier. With, with God, all things are possible. And the struggle's doing something in you. What is God doing? I've said this to a friend. I have had said to me, what's God teaching you right now? You're struggling, I know, and I understand. What's God teaching you right now? Because he is teaching you something. A friend takes you in the valley. When you're in the valley, a friend reminds you that God is working all things for the good because he is. He's working. He's working. What is your part? What is he teaching you? What is he teaching you? And because you want him to come out the other end better, closer to God, okay? Um, so a friend holds you up when you struggle, holds you down when you stray. Are you that kind of friend? Or do you add fuel to the fire? Because I kind of feel closer to you when we just kind of slander our husbands together. I know that's hard, hard of a hard thing to hear. But that is what goes on. Or, or I feel closer to you when I can talk about them. I can gossip. But there's no blessing in that. Do you have a friend that speaks truth into your life? Are you a friend that speaks truth into someone else's life? Um... I want to talk to you now about, some, about this, this concept of being a balcony person. Because as a friend, this is what you need to be. I want this time with you just to be a time where you really examine the people that are in your life. They're there for a purpose. Paul was in prison and because he was preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And he's writing a letter. The subject of the letter is Onesimus. Which, who was a runaway slave. Philemon was a man who had a slave named Onesimus. Onesimus runs away from his master, Philemon. 
Onesimus runs away from him. He ends up getting to Rome, and he committed some crime, which we don't know, and ends up in prison right next to the Apostle Paul. I would say that would be an appointment from God, right next to the Apostle Paul. Um, and it, how long do you think it took Paul to get to him the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah, maybe four seconds. Um, Onesimus decided, uh, Onesimus, at some point with Paul, decided to trust Christ. Okay, he converts the heart, takes him to the cross. Here's his problems. He was a friend to him. He was a friend to him. He took him to his hope, right? Um, and somewhere in the conversation, up comes the name Philemon. And Paul's like, no way. You know Philemon? And he's like, yeah. So the whole story comes out. He used to be my master. I ran away. All the details come out. And Paul says, you know, when you get out of this prison, you have to go back and make things right with him. He's a believer now. I'm not going there. You're kidding. No, he's a, he's a brother in the Lord. You have to go there. You know, he's been really growing, and you, you have to get this together. So what the person you learn about right now is Paul. Paul is a balcony person. In our life, you have two kinds of people. Okay? You have balcony people and you have basement people. Basement people are the people who are going to come up in your mind, who have said things to you, about you, wounded you, injured you. And they've sort of injured your ability to be the person God wants you to be. They're kind of negative and critical and harsh. And they pull you down. And they kind of ruin your dreams. Do you know any? Paul was the opposite of that. Paul was a balcony person. He was fired up. He was an upbeat, positive person who saw the good in everyone. And he always cheered you on and encouraged you to be the person that God wanted you to be. My husband is that to me. He's a balcony person. He knows all my faults, <laughs> and there are plenty. But he's always encouraging to me. He, they, a balcony person fires you up. I want you to think about this in the context of every relationship, but today we're talking about friendships. They build you up. They speak faith into you and confidence and trust in God into your life. And they give you a vision of who, what God has for you. They point out your gifts, their, your gifts to you. They help you to want to be more and to do more. They help you see that you can be more. So Paul is about to confront Philemon with a challenging word, to accept Onesimus. Okay, so this is what the letter is in this passage. And he's going to have to challenge him. He's going to have to speak truth into him because he mistreated him as a slave. Okay, the number one quality of a friend, of a biblical friend, a balcony person, Okay, is that they see the good. Balcony people are thankful for everything. So he's writing this letter, and he starts it like this. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers. Okay, Paul's in prison, unjustly accused. He's in prison, and he starts out by saying, I thank God for you. Paul didn't let circumstances get him down. Did you see that others focus on Paul? By the way, joy in life 
is found in others. Others. Me? Misery. Others? Joy. Others focus. A person, um, okay, so he says, I'm thankful for you. And he expresses that to him. That's why Paul is joyful in prison. He's thankful. He's thankful. <laughs> He's thankful. And none of us have, okay, guys, we're sitting in a tea. <laughs> He's writing from prison. I'm so thankful for every remembrance of you. Oh, a balcony person is a thankful person. A balcony person says this. I must see every person or circumstance as God coming to me through this circumstance to make me more like his son, Jesus. No matter what I'm doing, what I'm going through, okay? Every circumstance. God's in control. So, he also focuses on the positive things in the person. Now, he's got something negative he's going to have to confront him on, speak some truth into him about Philemon and Onesimus and their relationship. He starts like this. This is a very interesting way to start a letter of confrontation, by the way. Okay? Because I hear of your love. He wasn't loving toward Onesimus. But he knows he must be loving to others. And your faithfulness toward the Lord, Jesus, because he knows he's a believer. Okay? He calls him a man of love, a man of faith, and a beloved friend. There's some strengths in Philemon. And Paul said, before I challenge you in some weak areas, let me tell you about some of the great things I see God doing in you. Okay, moms, can I just say something? This just spoke to me right now. With our children, we have a lot of things we are trying to correct in our kids. We need to be a balcony person. God is doing, I have a 14-year-old son, Jack. And I got something I got to deal with. And I say, Jack, come here. God is doing good things in you. I see it. I see this, and I see that, and I notice that, and God is working on you. I got to talk to you about something, okay? And it's so sad to me because we so easily slip into being basement people. What is the matter with you anyway? You always this, you always that, you never this, and we get into these critical modes with people. Balcony people focus on the positive in others. So they give you a word of affirmation, a word of encouragement. How many people here need encouragement? Anyone besides me? Anyone? Oh, you, you and me? That's good. Um, and there's some other people who just love to point out the bad things in other people. They just love to. Um, that's what they pride themselves on. We, they pride themselves kind of on the fact that they can pick out the sin of others. I see people. I know how he really is. I know how you really are. Oh, good. You have an eye for evil. Not a virtue. <laughs> Some people say, well, I just have the gift of discernment. No, you're using, if, if you do, <laughs> it's in the flesh. God help us if we're always inspecting the faults and failures of others. You can't grow in that environment. You just can't grow in that environment. That's not why God gave us people in our lives and friends. Okay. See, this is a really important point. Friend, wife, mom, no matter where you are in your life, 
I must see people in terms of what God is making them. Is that what you see? When you look at your husband, is it, is it all the things I don't like? Or I, I see what God, God, is gonna, God is working in you. God's not finished with you. Philippians 1.6, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And there's really nothing, nothing worse than someone showing up when you're halfway through the job and putting an inspection sticker on you. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just who you are. It's just who you'll always be. It's just who he is. He'll never change. That's a lie from hell because we're always changing with God. And a balcony person is the person who says, God's working in you. God's not finished with you. And God's not finished with your marriage. And God's not finished with your 14-year-old. He's working. And you never lose hope. And I'm here to help you see that. Satan wants you to cover you up with, you'll never and you'll always and you're failing and it's over and I'm done. That's from Satan. That is not from God. God is, I love you. I'm working in your life. I'm teaching you something through this. Come walk with me. That area, okay, so you, you failed in that area. It's okay. Come reason with me. I will take your sin and make it white as snow because my mercies are new every morning. Every day is a new day. And a friend needs to be a balcony person to lift you up and say, I see the good in you, and God is working here. Balcony people focus on the good things people are doing. Okay? The gifts, the good things they're doing. Sometimes a mother just needs a gift, a word of encouragement. Um, you know, having a hard time, you say, you know what? You're such a committed mom. You're working hard with your kids, and God notices every little thing you do. Don't worry. Sometimes a friend, a balcony friend, a balcony person, you need to say, mom or friend or wife, listen, that's only work God can do. And he will. You're doing your part. Okay? Oh, so let's pray. Let's pray. The, let's pray. Because that's what God can do. You can't change the heart of him. You can't change a heart. And the people in my life or the person I want to be for someone is the person who helps you get your part right. My part. And they kind of infuse you with joy. When you don't have it yourself, they remind you that your joy doesn't come from circumstances. Your joy comes from knowing Jesus. So come up to the upper room with me. Did you ever notice at the end of the day, if you've been focusing on everyone's faults, it just leaves you feeling horrible, negative, and horrible. But when you are a balcony person, and though you are dealing with situations, you're focused on the good, and you are a person of hope and encouragement, it makes you feel that way. You, you live your life feeling different. So, so why aren't more people balcony people? As friends, let's talk about friends first. Well, first of all, I think that there's an incredible keeping record of wrongs. You didn't invite me. You didn't call me back. I mean, women, the expectations that aren't met. 
the keeping record of wrongs. The bitterness that starts to grow in the heart because it was about me. What you didn't do for me, what you're not for me, what you don't supply for me, right? And the truth is we're supposed to find it all in Jesus. And friendship is not about what you are for me. Marriage is not about what you are for me. The kids, it's not about what you give me. It's about what I am for you. What am I for you? What can I be for you? When you're focused on your part, regardless of who you are. Now, this is challenging stuff right here, okay? Regardless of who they are, they are out of the reach of your control. So I'm called to be something for you as my friend. Love keeps no record of what? Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's hard. And it comes down to this word. And why people can't stop being balcony people is because the overarching, the overarching quality of the heart becomes bitter because of a lack of forgiveness, even in friendships. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest joys of your entire life will be lasting relationships. Remember when we got through that? Remember that? Remember that two years ago? Remember? And then we went through, remember that? Oh, yeah, we got through that. Remember? You went through that with him, and we, you got through that. And these people, the seasons, the changes, the valleys, the highs. People who've been in your life a long time. But we don't live that way. You know why we don't live that way? Because we keep record of wrongs, and we move on. It's a new church. They've offended me too much. And you, I'm an umpire. Strike one, I'm what you said. Strike two, strike... You're out. And strike three, and what did you say? And you didn't, and, bu- and, bu- and we said, and a new friend. I got a new friend. The only reason you enjoy new friends is that they don't know anything about your faults yet, and you don't know anything about their faults yet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But biblical friendship is, I'm not putting an inspection sticker on you. God's not finished with you. And I need you to see me the same way. God's not finished with me. And I will fail you, and I will fail people because I am a sinner. And God is changing me. And I'm telling you, I don't want to work against what God's doing in your life. I don't want to get in the way. So it's people who help to move you closer to what you should be. But the reason we don't do it is we, we don't grant forgiveness. New church, new friends, new state, new husband, new. That's not what the joy of life is. It's not the body of Christ is about. It's about knowing people for a long time and being committed and being that balcony person and taking them and leading them to the cross and listening and not expecting. And I'm going to say one other thing. If you are married, your number one friend is your husband and your emotional support should be there. And much of the time, he gets, he gets leftovers, and you get emotional support. Not that you can't find support and love from friends. But it should never over, you know, come over the intimacy and the friendship and the, the emotional support you have with him and for him. Um, I mean, I don't know. When you know someone's strengths and weaknesses, when people have failed you and you've forgiven them, when you get through things, there's something about that bond that's just amazing. But it's hard to get there. So I'm going to go on to the next point about why it's hard and... That is forgiveness. Well, Charles, why are you talking about, I can see forgiveness issues in my marriage. No, it happens all the time with friends. Have a friend ever let you down? Does anyone have a friend that let them down in this room? 
Have you ever let anyone down? Isn't it horrible when something happens and you feel a wall go up with that person? She used to park next to me. She doesn't park next to me anymore. <laughs> um, you know when it's, it's just all ruined now. We used to be really close, but it's just all ruined now. I'm going to close with this because if I had to teach one message in marriage, in family, in biblical friendship, I think it would be this one. I think it would be this one. Forgiveness. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but Ephesians 4, 25, towards the end. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God, a conviction about forgiveness. <laughs> so what are you talking about, Charles? How does this come into, how, do, how, how does this have to do with friendship? Okay, how about a neighbor? You ever have a neighbor, your friends, and then something happened and like now you, you just kind of drive by with a, on the cell phone? Don't even look at each other. It's all ruined. Something happened, never resolved, right? Christian friend let you down, and you said, okay, I'm done. Never letting that happen get to me again. Done. Um, maybe a child, maybe one of your parents. Never, they were never what they should be for me. So now there's a wall there. Um, and what do we do when we don't forgive a person? We withhold things from that person. We, get, we don't give them our best. We don't, do we? It's that person who hurt me. It's that person who did something to me or said something to me and, nope, no more me. That's it. I'll give all my good stuff to you, not you. <laughs> and I can walk through this room as though you don't even exist because I haven't forgiven you. And now I put a wall up and it hurts my heart because it happens in the Christian community all the time. We want all the forgiveness from God. I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. I want it comes this way, but it's not going that way. All comes in like the dead, it all comes in like the Dead Sea. Doesn't come out, nothing. Doesn't go that way. Who wants God to forgive them better than you forgive someone else? But who wants to be forgiven by God better than you forgive other people? I do. Because when I, I know when I was forgiven by God, he didn't say, all right, let's see, whoa. All right, I'll forgive you that. That one, no. Not ready to forgive you of that one. I'll forgive you of the rest. Yeah, okay. Not that. I'm going to wait till you come crawling back. Didn't do that, did he? Whew. All gone. There will be no lasting friendships in your life. There will be no lasting relationships in your life. I've been married 20 years. The most important word in my marriage is forgiveness. It's not communication. Normally they can communicate fine with everyone else, but they just get so bitter with you they won't talk to you. Communication is not the problem. <laughs> it's a good tool to learn to communicate, but it's forgiveness. It's what happens in the heart. So we withhold things from that person. Sometimes we start giving things to that person. We, if it's a marriage, we give them looks. We give them remarks. It shows up in our speech. And you know what? I gotta tell you something. It's producing, it's such a damaging emotion. It's, it's, it's killing you inside. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a refusal to release somebody of an, the obligation that occurred when they hurt you. 
or took something from you or, did, or let, let you down. And you become bitter. And then the Bible goes through all the things that happen. Wrath. You get wrathful. It says, put away wrath. Anger, clamor, slander, malice. These are all the emotions that come from it. And then it takes this turn. Love keeps no records of wrong. I'm not minimizing anything that's happened to you. I'm really not. But I have to tell you something. We live a silo life sometimes because we have a bitter heart. And we're refusing to forgive people, so we push everyone away. You'll never get in again, and you'll never get in again. I'm not letting you close to me again. I'm not, and, I, and we put this all up, and we start to live alone. And you feel alone. You feel alone. It's like a prison. And the truth is there's one way out. There's one way out, and it's forgiveness. And it's the most freeing thing in the world. Okay, so you say, well, okay. And, if you, and I have to tell you something. There's some cost to you. The loss of time. Is anyone but me aware that the calendar pages are just flipping? Flipping. I've been married how many years? 20 years. Okay? <laughs> Every day with my kids. Boom, boom, boom. You're not getting to the finish line with your husband. You're not going to have that friend who stay a biblical friend without forgiveness. How do you forgive? How do you do it? See, that's the problem. You all, we all want to, right? And by the way, when you don't forgive, you don't grow spiritually. You don't grow spiritually. Everyone else is rising up. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember people in church are like, I love the Lord. And, and you're kind of like, because you don't really want to go to God because you know what he's going to say to you. So you, even, you, you don't even grow spiritual. You don't grow. So how do you forgive? How do you do this with a friend? One, the, there's, this has been an amazingly important message in my life, has set me free with family relationships and friendships. It's this. First of all, it has two parts. Forgiveness has two parts. The first part is between you and God. Lord, you name it. Lord, they've hurt me. They took this. They did this. But Lord, I know that if I got what I deserve, it would be hell. And I know that I receive your forgiveness every day. I know your love doesn't stop. You don't have to stop loving me. And so it's between God. And you say, okay, God, so I'm making a decision right now to forgive. I'm deciding. I'm laying it at the cross. I can't change this person, but I need to show forth love to this person. I need to forgive and trust that you'll change the person. Okay, so this part between you and God, I'm laying it down. I'm letting it go. I'm taking that anchor. I, I'm not growing. I'm lifting that anchor. I'm moving on. Help me to forgive like you do. Okay, and then there's a process of forgiveness, right? What's that? So you made a decision with God to forgive, but now you have to live it out. So how do you live it out? You now give your best to that person. Well, they, they don't deserve it. Is anyone here receiving love that they don't deserve? Of course we are. Every breath we take. If my husband didn't forgive me, this marriage would have been over like the first week or something. Okay, like the first week. So, and friends too. My best friends. You've been through some stuff. 
So this part is living it out. I'm living it out. Now I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to show forth love, even when I don't feel it. Because you don't act on your feelings. You act on your obedience to God. Let your feelings follow you. Act on your obedience to God. I will give you my best. I will show forth kindness to you. <laughs> Try it in your marriage. You're bitter in your marriage. And he comes home and you go, hi. And he goes, I'm in the wrong house. I, you want to see how fast God will heal that relationship? When you show forth love to a person who doesn't deserve it, that's the whole gospel. That's what Jesus is. You are never more like Jesus than when you're forgiving. Never. And it requires every friendship and relationship will require a lot of major and minor forgivenesses. And so you go through this process. I'm going to give him my best. I'm releasing him. I'm leaving it with you, God. I'm giving him my best. And when you feel yourself playing those tapes again, who's good at that? The tape playing? Press the rewind, the rewind, the rewind. I'm shackled to what happened two years ago. I can never leave that spot. I'm shackled to it. So you find that you've, you've, you're playing the tape again. You don't go back to unforgiveness. You go back to the cross. And now you've failed God. I gave this to you. And I'm going back to this again. And I leave it with you again. Free me of this, Lord. Help me to be like you. Help me to love like you. That's what it says in Ephesians. Love one another as I have loved you. And all of a sudden, you don't feel that same bitterness anymore. As you start to forgive and just show forth love. So I want you to think about it today. Friend, a biblical friend. They hold me up when I struggle. They hold me down when I stray. I speak truth into them and they speak truth into me. And if it's challenging, they always find the good first. They always speak the good thing into me first. They're a balcony person. They find the good. And they're committed to me. They're not leaving the scene because I failed them or failed someone else. They're committed to me because God's not done with me and God's not done with them. They're a balcony person in my life. They take me to my hope. When I'm out in the wilderness and I don't know how to get out, they take me back to my hope, which is found in Christ and my relationship with Christ and me trusting that God will do the work that I can't do. And he does. In friendships, in marriage, you go through these valleys and you come out the other side and if you just stay and trust God, and get your part right and learn to forgive and move on, you come out changed on the other end. I can't commend that more to you. I can't com commend the process of forgiveness. Who is it? What friend is it? What family member is it that could sit down next to you right now and you know it's not right because you haven't forgiven? And when you make that decision... You're free. Because it's almost like God looking at you going, I mean, the minute you lay it down and move forward, now you get it. Now you're letting me work in you. And so much of it is a choice, guys. So much of it is a choice. So today, I choose to be a balcony person. I choose to find the good. 
Another thing Paul was doing, I just want to bring up real quickly, so amazing. I have a friendship with you, and I have a friendship with you, but you guys? Yeah. Mm -mm. You, there's not, that's not right thing. We get in those situations, don't we? I got a cozy thing with you and a cozy thing with you, and I'm not getting in the way. You guys don't. Okay, that's not biblical. We should be passionate. Onesimus and Philemon and Paul. It's the perfect example. What? what? You're a believer? You're a believer? Oh, no, 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 no. You, you have to see him. I'm going to write to Philemon right now. And I'll, I'll, I'll challenge him on what, how he treated you. And, but, but, and I'll have him... Ex because Onesimus said he'll never accept me. He'll never take me, you know. He, and Paul said, yes, he will. So Paul's writing to challenge him. As a body of Christ, I have a responsibility to say, no, you have to make it right with her. God can heal this. God can heal this relationship. You have to forgive each other. Let me help you. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of healing. Who's had a relationship restored by God in this room? Restored. I mean restored a relationship. Amen. It's something God does. So today you have to choose. I choose to be, the, I choose to be a biblical friend. I choose to forgive. The other thing that you miss in your life when you don't forgive and when you're a basement person, you keep record of wrongs, and, you, and your friendship's worldly, it's not godly, it doesn't take them to the cross, is you lose the joy. You lose joy. And, and you know what? It's just not, nothing more beautiful than having the joy of the Lord. Especially as a mom, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the mama is your child's strength. And if you're a mother who's not forgiving people and you're a basement person, that, that joy is not flowing to your babies. Joy. It's a supernatural delight in the person of Jesus Christ, in the purposes of Jesus Christ that he has for you, and in the people of Jesus Christ. It's supernatural. Supernatural delight in the person of who God is and what he did for you and for me, in the purposes he has for you, which are great, and for the people. And that's why he wants to give you a life and give it to you abundantly. Well, I'm out of time. And I've been so thrilled to be able to share this with you because I know that if you take it to heart, you walk out different. You can write the letter. You can get on your knees. The first step in any change is repentance. Forgive me, God, for my lack of forgiveness. Forgive me for being a basement person. Forgive me for not being a biblical friend. Forgive me for keeping record of wrongs. Forgive me for letting your grace and your forgiveness flow into me and not flow out of me. Help me to love like you. A friend loves at all times. Can I pray? Lord, I thank you so much. The people in our lives are so important, Lord. You want so much more for us in our friendships. You want so much more focus on you. Focus our hearts on you. Help us to love like you. Help us to forgive like you. This is so hard. But you are so strong when we are so weak. And you are changing us all the time. 
And I know that we can walk out of here today and say, I'm not what I should be, and I'm not what I could be, but I'm not what I was. I pray that you would fill everyone with supernatural joy today. Lift them up, Lord. Keep their eyes on the cross and help them to be a friend and help them to have thankful hearts. We love you. We praise you. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you.
They heckle from back rows and they bark at the moon. The flowers are fading in time's bitter garden, but yours is only beginning to bloom. Just keep on that same road. Keep on. Let them call you what they will. Just, Just remember a rose by any name is still a rose. Oh, rose by any name is still a Was so wonderful. Um, I would love to call Chelsea up to bestow on thank you flowers here for you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Really appreciate so you. Much.